cross-culturally all over the world, these traditions of healing really honored these plants, not just as, you know, uh, constellations of biochemicals that influence our biochemicals, but that they recognize them as conscious, sentient, intelligent beings of the earth, that they are, you know, plants are the living medicinal intelligence. You're listening to Plant Love Radio, episode number 52. Welcome to Plant Love Radio, a place where you'll discover how to create a balanced, vibrant, and resilient life through the wonders of herbal medicine. I'm your host, Lana Camille, a college professor, drug information pharmacist, and an herbalist. You'll love my amazing guests, herbal teachers, clinicians, medicine makers, growers, and artists. Thank you for joining me on this adventure. Let's get the show started. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the new episode of this podcast. Whether you're completely new to the world of herbal medicine, I know quite a bit. Learning about plants can sometimes feel enjoyable and fun, yet sometimes might be tedious and overwhelming. Several years ago, I met an herbal teacher who's been an avid advocate of learning with your heart. He's here with us today to tell you more. Articulate, charismatic, and passionate, Sage Popham is a rising star in the world of herbal medicine. He's the founder of the School of Evolutionary Herbalism in Southern Oregon, and in 2015, I took and greatly enjoyed several of Sage's courses and been following him ever since. Along with his degree in herbal sciences from Bastyr University, Sager has studied with a wide variety of clinical herbalists, medical astrologers, and practicing alchemists. He believes the next stage in the evolution of herbal medicine will grow out of the synergy of three previous phases, which are indigenous, vitalist, and molecular models of herbalism. We will definitely talk about them in today's episode. This merging is what Sager refers to as evolutionary herbalism. In our conversation, we will also talk about energetic architecture and where you see it in most cultures, how it helps us to experience and learn rather than memorize facts about nature and plants. Sager shares with us his understanding of elements, how they show up in us and in plants, in interesting patterns that can be applied to healing. Sager recently published a book with the title Evolutionary Herbalism, Science, Spirituality, and Medicine from the Heart of Nature. And the publisher, North Atlantic Books, is generally supporting this episode's book giveaway for the listeners of Plant Love Radio. You can head over to co-fee.com slash plantloveradio and share what resonates the most with you to be entered into the raffle. To find the link to the giveaway and access all the resources we discussed during the episode, please head over to the show notes, plantloveradio.com slash 52. Enjoy. Sage, hello, how are you doing? Good. I am so excited to have you here. Before I press the record button, I told you that when I took your course in 2015-2016, I felt like I really got to know you very well through audios and watching your videos and really learning a lot from you, but I'm so excited to get to know you in person this way. So welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So I wanted to begin this conversation by asking you to talk a little bit about your herbal path. How did it start for you? Yeah, well, for me, you know, um, my journey into herbal medicine really started at a young age. Uh, ultimately, for me, ever since my childhood, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a physician. 
And uh, because I was raised pretty conventionally in terms of Western culture, I wanted to be uh, a surgeon, actually. I was on the path to becoming a cardiovascular surgeon, a heart doctor, and uh, which now looking back, I think is kind of interesting in the way that um, I was kind of always called to the heart. <laughs> and, you know, just over the years, as I, you know, grew into my adolescence and started to rebel a little bit against the the typical cultural models of things, um, I realized that allopathic medicine didn't really quite feel in accordance with the ideals that I was really growing into in myself. You know, I really started to adopt a more natural, naturally based lifestyle and always just had a really deep connection to nature and to the earth and to um, really starting to do my best to live in accordance with the earth and with nature and with my own nature. And in that way, you know, the, the conventional model of medicine didn't really resonate so much anymore. And, um, it all really began for me on a coffee shop patio. I was working as a barista and um, there was an article there on the front page of the health section about naturopathic medicine. And I remember seeing those words, naturopathic medicine. And it was like this big light bulb went off. I was like, what? Like mm. natural medicine, you know, like, oh, like it wasn't even like a concept to me at the time, you know? And I was like, of course, plants, you know, and I'd really lo loved plants all throughout my childhood. My, you know, I grew up backpacking and hiking in the Northwest mountains a lot. And, and it just made so much sense. And so for me, that was really when my plant path began and uh, ended up enrolling in the Herbal Sciences program at Bastyr University and really focused on the, the scientific aspects of plants and all of their medicinal properties from the orientation of science. But at the same time, you know, for me, my spirituality was very central in my life, you know, um, I feel really blessed to at a pretty young age, really ask, I think some of those bigger questions about our lives, you know, like, who am I? And why am I here? And I want to heal myself. I want to be a better person. I want to, you know, realize I carry some baggage and some some ways of being that maybe aren't um, healthy or in accordance with my my true purpose, my the truth of who I am, you know. And so for me, that kind of spiritual orientation of healing and and the development of my being was very central for me. And I think that really influenced my perspective on plant medicine, too. And so a lot of my approach has been really striving to balance that scientific side of the plants, but also the spiritual side of the plants, too, because, you know, we look at cross-culturally all over the world, these traditions of healing really honored these plants, not just as, you know, uh, constellations of biochemicals that influence our biochemicals, but that they recognize them as conscious, sentient, intelligent beings of the earth, that they are, you know, plants are the living medicinal intelligence of the earth. And they their healing reaches beyond the body, has the capacity to transform us on the level of the mind and, and our emotional being and even down to the level of, of our spirit and our soul, like really bringing a, a profound, deep level of healing into our lives. And so that's really been a lot of what my journey in, in plant medicine has been and trying to bring those two together as best I can, because I, I, I don't actually really see them as separate, just two sides of the same leaf. Of course, of course. Makes a lot of sense. So, so what happened after you graduated from Bastyr? Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, college does interesting things to your mind, you know, you're like, okay, I'm all, I'm graduated, I know it all, you know, and, and it's like, oh, that's actually, that's when the learning really begins, because of course. we have to apply what we learn, we have to integrate and embody and, you know, kind of practice what we preach, so to speak. And mm -hmm. um, while I didn't, claim to know it all. I, I certainly thought I knew a bit more than I did. And, uh, and it really, actually, I quickly realized that I didn't have the uh, skills that I needed to heal people in the way that I wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't want to just be an herbalist that would put band-aids on symptoms, so to speak, right? I wanted to 
transform people's lives in the way that the plants had transformed my life. And so for me, that really led me on, I was kind of joke, joke around and say, it was like my quest, you know, I was like searching for, uh, what are those patterns in, in herbal traditions? What are, what are the universal truths, mm-hmm. right? In, in herbal traditions at the core of these cultures and people and traditions that, that really recognized the uh, medicinal uh, power of, of plants, like what's at the core of those and how can we bring them together in a way? How can we have a system of plant medicine that will equally heal and transform us on a physical, psychological, and spiritual level. And for me, that really came together when I found the alchemical tradition and um, was introduced to the uh, traditions of medical alchemy, medical astrology, uh, the processes of creating spagyric herbal extracts, um, really a model of not just clinical herbalism, but herbal pharmacy that balanced the science and the spirit uh, together as one. And so for me, it was really, that was really the big piece for me, you know, after studying, you know, Western herbalism and pharmacology and Greek medicine and Unani Tib and North American traditions of herbalism, Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, it was really, it was the alchemy and the medical astrology that really landed it and, and synergized and brought together those traditions into um, what I refer to as universal herbalism, a very a cohesive and comprehensive system of plant medicine. That's very interesting. So how did you apply these principles to your practice or to your work? Yeah, well, um, a lot of it was really focused on, um, first off, the medicine making. You know, I realized that it's one thing to have a, you know, it's one thing to to understand a plant holistically, mm-hmm. all of its properties and its characteristics and qualities and it's another thing to know how to work with a person holistically, right? How to how to talk to them, ask the right questions, how to get all the information we need to know about that person to understand what the root cause of their problem is, you know, whatever is making them sick or having a hard time in their life. Like, what are those things that we need to understand about them? How do we figure that out? Right. And so we know the whole plant, we know the whole person, but I realized like, well, if I want to heal the whole person, I got to use the whole plant. And that was where the the medicine making, the spagyrics really uh, was became very, very influential for me. And so kind of looking out in the herbal marketplace, I didn't really find much of anything really in North America in the way of um, spagyric herbal extracts. There's a few, a few folks that were doing it, but not um, really on the, um, the, the selection of materia medica was very limited. And so I started making mostly all of my own uh, spagyric herbal extracts. And over the years, uh, a lot of people started wanting them more and more, and eventually it just kind of turned into Organic Unity, um, which is uh, our spagyric product line um, where we've provided a broad range of primarily Western medicinal plants to clinical practitioners, herbalists, naturopaths, uh, people that work with Western herbs to make available this very powerful form of herbal medicine to, to clinical practitioners. And so that was kind of one of the main ways that, that, um, that we've worked with by we, I mean, my wife and I have worked with uh, integrating the, the alchemical tradition with the clinical herbal side and uh, really doing our best to provide the best quality um, medicines for people to use, to heal their clients and their patients so that's one way that we've worked with it. And a lot of it, too, has just been influencing and sharing, spreading this knowledge and this information. Um, you know, for me, uh, I realized that I wasn't the only one that felt the way that I'd felt about herbalism in terms of, you know, feeling this split between the, the head and the heart, the, the rational scientific side and the more intuitive spiritual side. You know, a lot of people out there that want to bring those together. A lot of people out there want to be able to heal people on a physical level, but they also recognize that, wow, this person has some, you know, psychological patterning that could be healed and maybe they have some emotional 
emotional blockages or emotional trauma that is going to be critical for their healing process, but maybe they don't know how to approach addressing those kinds of things. And so for me, it was realizing like, wow, like there's a lot of people that want a more holistic paradigm of plant medicine. They want to use whole plants to heal whole people. And that was really what inspired my vision for the School of Evolutionary Herbalism, where I just, you know, I've kind of collected these teachings from all around the world and different herbal traditions and and brought them together into what I see as being a, a very holistic, very uh, universal, very integrative, synergistic model of plant medicine that is really, really effective. And, and I think is providing a level of precision in the practice of plant medicine that's really needed. And I think it's also providing um, a model for how the modern herbalist can use plants to address those deeper levels of healing that I think a lot of people out in the world are looking for. You know, I think a lot of people are getting kind of fed up with, you know, maybe maybe pharmaceutical medicines or maybe allopathic, you know, orientation around healing and they want a more holistic answer. They want to they want to get to the root cause, whether that's spiritual, psychological, emotional, or physical. And I think empowering a new paradigm of herbalists in the ability to heal those kinds of things is, I think, really, really important uh, moving forward. So so that's a little bit about how I've kind of done my best uh, to integrate and implement uh, the the what I've learned on my plant path. Thank you. That's really fascinating. But I want to take you a step back because uh, you have talked about alchemistry and you talked about spurgerics. And uh, this is some of these concepts are relatively new to the listeners. So if you can tell us just a little bit, like when you're talking about making preparation from the whole plant, someone is thinking, mm-hmm. okay, what about the tincture? What about capsules that I might be taking? What is the difference between this and what you actually make in your organic unity uh, line? Yeah, so so the practice of spagyrics uh, is the um, branch of the alchemical tradition from Europe that specifically focuses on working with medicinal plants. And in the alchemical cosmology of things and the way they understand the architecture of nature, they say that all things in nature are composed of three fundamental principles. They say everything is composed of sulfur, mercury, and salt. And one of the cool things about alchemy that I loved about it is that they use chemical terminology Mm -hmm. to reference more of a spiritual archetype in a sense, or just an archetypal pattern. So while we're using the words sulfur, mercury, and salt, the, the, it's not the chemical, it's the principle. And right. one of the main ways that those have been translated is the soul, the spirit, and the body of the plant or mm-hmm. the person or you know everything in nature has soul, spirit, and body. So within plants, they say that the sulfur, the soul of the plant is expressed in the essential oil. And that's like the, the consciousness of the plant. It's the, the, the soul essence, the unique individuality of that plant. And I say the mercury is the spirit of the plant. It's like the life force in the plant that is expressed through the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds kind of weird. Like, and it always kind of weird. I always like wondered, like, why do they call alcohol spirits you know Mm -hmm. in just our in our world and and it's and it comes from alchemy because they say that you take any plant and you and you put it in a vat of water and allow it to just putrefy and ferment it will always yield uh, ethyl alcohol and so the alchemists in their way they see everything is symbolic everything is language in nature that they saw that signature of oh alcohol is the universal spirit of the plant kingdom you know barks leaves berries roots flowers seeds grass clippings whatever you ferment it in, in a bucket of water it always makes ethyl alcohol so they say it's the universal spirit mm-hmm. of the plant kingdom and it's like the intelligence of the plant the mind of the plant and then the salts, the the alkaline minerals, the body, the purified body of the plant, they say is the salt, the alkaline minerals. And so when we're looking at most modern 
uh, techniques of extracting medicinal plants. And, you know, this is more like for more of the folk herbalist, uh, the herbalist that's out growing or wildcrafting their own plants to bringing them home and making their own medicine. You know, the, the nutraceutical and supplement industry, they've got generally all sorts of crazy fancy equipment that they do and standardizing extracts and things like that, that typically are out of the range of the, the, you know, typical folk home herbalist. Sure. sure. So, so for our purposes, you know, the way a lot of people are making their herbal medicines, like a tincture, right? Take the herb, macerate it in alcohol and water, uh, a mixture of alcohol and water, and, you know, strain the alcohol out of the plant material and the plant material gets thrown away and you have your tincture. But in spagyrics, you know, they say that when you when, say you're working with like rosemary, you know, and you pour a 70% alcohol over that rosemary, well, that 70% alcohol, that's going to draw out a lot of the essential oils, the sulfur. It's also going to draw out a lot of the alcohol and water soluble constituents, the mercury, but then the physical plant material gets composted. Right. And so we end up throwing out the body, the salt of the plant, which is in the same way our bodies are salt are the vehicles for our spirit and our soul to be here in this, in this world, right? It's the same with the plants. And so when we throw away that body of the plant, um, it's, we're missing a third of the medicinal properties of that herb from an alchemical perspective. So in the spagyrics, we don't throw anything away. We take that body of the plant and there's ways that it's processed through, you know, burning it down to an ash and grinding it and burning it and ultimately crystallizing all of the uh, alkaline water soluble minerals. And they literally look like crystals. Like, you know, you end up with, depending on how much plant material you start with, you end up with like a, a pile of what look like mini quartz crystals. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are reintroduced back into the medicine. And that's, you know, the very simple spagyric tincture. There's much more involved uh, spagyric processes that uh, can take quite quite a long time. Uh, and uh, that's just kind of it on a practical level. There's a lot of other aspects that make a true spagyric a spagyric uh, including, you know, the the timing of things when you harvest the plants, mm-hmm. when 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 all the processes are done, the distillations, the calcinations, the cohobations, all these things have to be timed accordingly um, to the archetypes that are associated with that plant, which in, in the alchemical tradition are understood through uh, astrology. So, so that's just a little bit, you know, alchemy is a really big topic, uh, but yes. that's just a, kind of a little bit of some of the differences in terms of how a spagyric is prepared that's different from, from your typical tinctures, um, and, and, and the, the main thing that's going on there is because the minerals, because the body of the plant is present in the medicine, it has a deeper influence on the body of the person. Uh, this generally reduces the necessary dosage. Uh, this generally increases the efficacy and the efficiency of the plants. We just see more immediate results. Uh, it's actually mind blowing how quickly uh, a spagyric, the, the properly selected spagyric remedy will work on someone. They, you know, pretty much across the board, when you find that right remedy, uh, they work very, very rapidly um, for people uh, and in much lower doses than we see in, in typical tincture type preparations. Wonderful. Thank you. So really fascinating because this is very old school techniques, but you are trying to reintroduce them here in this culture. So the school, when it was created, so it was you and your lovely wife, Whitney, that created both the Organic Unity and the School of Evolutionary Herbalism. And so I know that you are a prolific creator. Uh, We talked a little bit about the school, but there are many videos, there are courses, there is a podcast. And now there is a book and the book is also called evolutionary herbalism, science, spirituality, and medicine from the heart of nature. And so I wanted to ask you to talk a little bit about this concept of evolutionary herbalism. What exactly does it mean? Mm. Yeah, well, it was something that I realized, uh, I can't remember exactly when, but at some point on my plant path where I realized, you know, I think I, I think while ago, I was really thinking that, I think it was probably when I finished college, 
I, I was under the impression that, you know, with herbal medicine, it was kind of like this very set thing. There was like this box and mm-hmm. inside that box, there's all these things that you needed to learn to become an herbalist. And once you learned all those things, you're just ta-da, like an herbalist and then you're done and you just go out and you do your practice and all learning is done. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you've reached the top of the mountain. And I quickly realized that that is so far from the truth <laughs> that, you know, there's a lot to learn as an herbalist and it's, it's never ending. Um, mm-hmm. There's always more for us to learn, but I also realized that the the actual way in which herbal medicine has been practiced has changed a lot throughout time. And the way that herbal medicine is practiced today at this time is very different from the way herbalism was practiced just a hundred years ago in 1919. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I really looked at that and and was thinking like, what are the different uh, phases of evolution that the practice of herbal medicine itself has gone through? Right. Mm -hmm. And we kind of go back to the beginning of time and think of like those first herbalists, you know, the first humans that picked a plant to heal a disease. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you think of that, the state of being their state of consciousness of those people is very, very different from our modern human. And so I, I like to talk about the that phase, you know, kind of that initial phase of herbalism is think of it as like indigenous herbalism or folk herbalism, you know, those first cultures, those first people that worked with plants and the way they understood those plants, the way they learned from the plants themselves. You know, they didn't have books, they didn't have universities, they didn't have Google. They had their senses, they had their hearts and they had their minds. They had uh, a very different way of seeing things in which they learned about the plants from the plants themselves. And obviously these different cultures and traditions are very, very different uh, all across the world, but there are some universals amongst them. One of which being that they really understood disease and healing and people and plants from much more of a spiritual orientation rather than a strictly, you know, chemical one that we see in more modern approaches. And then kind of moving forward, you know, we see that over time, these uh, certain systems started to develop around these cultures of medicine, right? That we see that uh, kind of moved from the heart up into the mind as we, as you know, knowledge became transcribed and written down. Um, people started to, uh, rather than uh, particular practices and approaches being, you know, just family lineages or in a very small local bioregion, it started to become more systematized and transcribed and more linear. And this is what I would refer to as more the vitalist traditions of herbalism or the energetic uh, models of herbalism. You know, these are generally the the big the big traditions that we tend to think of when we think of herbal traditions, right? The Ayurveda and Chinese medicine and Unani Tib, the Arabic system, or Greek Galenic models, mm-hmm. and North American traditions, all these different energetic systems that really operated based on the vital force. Right. Um, and understanding that plants don't just heal through a spirit, they heal through shifting the energetics of our tissues, um, in terms of temperature and moisture and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, moving all the way up, then kind of into more of our scientific era what I refer to as molecular herbalism or biomedical herbalism, right? Which is more of understanding plants based on their chemistry and how they work on our biochemistry, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of more of that modern orientation that we see very rampant kind of in the culture at large and the way people tend to think about uh, herbal medicine and, and how plants work is their constituents and their chemistry, And then that kind of brings us to what I refer to as evolutionary herbalism, right? Which is where I think we can bring all those together. I think there can be a synergy and an integration of the very heart-centered, direct perception of natural intelligence, spiritual understanding of more folk or indigenous traditions of herbalism, combined with more of these vitalist energetic models of looking at the the ways in which plants influence our tissues and our organ systems and and the way that there's communication happening there to modern science and being able to talk about sesquiterpene lactones and you know the pharmacokinetics of alkaloids and you know all the different ways that plants influence us on that more scientific level and i think we can bring those together 
into a holistic paradigm of herbalism, right? Which is what I refer to as evolutionary herbalism, which, you know, the basic translation of that being, you know, that, that herbs can be used to heal our bodies and to clarify our minds, to strengthen our hearts, our emotional being, and to facilitate in the evolution of the soul that there's, that these plants are not just our healers, but there are teachers too, and that we can learn a lot from the botanical kingdom. And these plants carry a uh, power to heal us on a very deep, very fundamental level of our being, taking our traumas and transforming them into something good, taking the things that kind of hold us down, taking our conditioned patterns, taking our all the ways that we're indoctrinated by the culture and the world and, you know, family and all the different society ways of thinking that maybe aren't true to our nature. You know, it's like the way I see it, it's like we're born onto this mother earth pure, you know, and we're that baby, we're pure and we have, there's an essence inside of us that's pure and it, that's who we are. And then, but as we grow into our childhood and our adolescence and our adulthood, you know, we gradually become adulterated. We gradually get all these things piled up on top of this essence. Do this. Don't do that. That's right. And that's wrong. Be this kind of person, not that kind of person. This is good. This is bad. And some, we, all these things from the outside pile on top of that essence. And we ultimately forget who we are. We forget, forget our true essential nature. And to me, the, the power of the plants is in their capacity to bring that intelligence of nature back into our being, to reawaken those parts of who we are that we forget, you know, to heal those parts of who we are that we maybe spend a lot of our time in our lives trying to avoid um, and really attending to every facet of ourselves so we can be whole again so that we can be healed. And so that's really my vision for evolutionary herbalism and my vision for the, you know, this moving into uh, what I see as being a new phase in the evolution of herbal medicine itself, a new paradigm of herbalists that can really balance the, the science, the energetics, the spirituality of people and plants, and to bring a, a deeper level of healing into people's lives. I love your vision and your mission, and people are interested. I uh, would like to invite them to go to your website or read your book and really understand what it is that you are uh, trying to communicate. I think it's very powerful. Thank you. I want to take a quick pause here. In the episode, we talk about Sage's book, and you as a listener have an opportunity to win it in a giveaway brought to you by the publisher, North Atlantic Books. The winner of this giveaway will receive a hard copy of Evolutionary Herbalism if you live in the United States. If you're listening from abroad, North Atlantic Books will send you an electronic copy of the same book. To participate in this giveaway, head over to co-fee.com slash plantloveradio. You can also find the link in the show notes. Please comment on the giveaway post of the episode you're listening to right now. What was your favorite part of this interview? I will choose a winner within two weeks. The software also allows you to support my work, but you do not have to be a supporter to participate in this giveaway. I look forward to your feedback on this episode. In case you're wondering, the winner from the last episode's giveaway is Connie. Connie, please send a quick hello email to lana at lanacamille.com so we can ship you the prize. Now let's get back to our conversation. When you, mm. when you talk about evolutionary herbalism, you mention five different pillars, and they include the light of nature, energetic architecture, universal herbalism, transformative medicine, and knowing yourself. I wanted to spend a little bit more time today talking about energetic architecture. And uh, mm. I know mm. that all five of them are important, but I wanted to ask you, what does energetic architecture mean? 
Yeah, it's uh, um, so the, the the energetic architecture is really the the way I like to describe it is that it is the underlying archetypal pattern of nature, and so when we look at in our case herbal traditions, right, that these people were very intimately connected to the intelligence of the natural world and what, which is what Paracelsus referred to as the light of nature. Mm-hmm. And so as they con- connected to this light of nature, this intelligence in the natural world, they perceived an underlying order, an underlying pattern. They saw nature isn't chaos, but everything in nature is cyclical. Everything is built off of a pattern. And these patterns in nature became the foundations for not only many of these herbal and medical traditions, but um, spiritual traditions, mythologies, cosmologies, pantheons, all types of um, ways of understanding the world around us. And so the way that I generally summarize the patterns of energetic architecture is based on the threefold pattern, what we refer to as the three principles, um, the five elements and the seven planets. And these are really kind of the basic fundamental patterns in nature that we see expressed universally cross-culturally everywhere. Um, you know, three principles of alchemy, three doshas of Ayurveda, the Trinity of Christianity, um, the, the three treasures in Chinese medicine, all of these three modes of astrology. I mean, you could go on and on and on. Uh, seven planets, seven days of the week, seven chakras, seven datus in Ayurveda. Um, I think the number seven is mentioned a lot of times in the book of Revelation alone. I mean, there's seven notes on the musical scale, seven colors. There's uh, so many ways that we see these patterns of seven, five, and three reflected in a lot of different uh, layers of tradition and culture that there's there's something there right there's there's a universal truth there and the more that we can understand the this pattern of energetic architecture in nature as a whole as well as how it's uniquely embodied within um, a person a human uh, within a plant um, we then have a map of the microcosm and its connection to the macrocosm, which is a central concept in in both alchemy, medical astrology, even Ayurveda and Chinese medicine. They say that we as a human being carry all of nature inside of us. And I would argue that the same is true with plants. So I always like to, it's kind of like a blueprint, you know, if you think about a uh, think about a house, you know, you look around a house and you see the structure of the house, you know, there's faucets and toilets and places to plug things in and there's walls and warmth and shelter and all these things that the house provides but you can only really see what you can see Mm -hmm. you know you can't see behind the walls you can't see where the water lines are running you can't see the framing you can't those things are invisible but you can see them with a blueprint Mm -hmm. And that's when you have the blueprint of the house, you can understand how it's all assembled, how it's put together. You can see the underlying pattern behind the physical structure. And that's what energetic architecture does for our understanding of people and plants in this perspective. We see what's behind the body, what's influencing the disease, what's influencing the mind, why that plant looks the way it looks and grows where it grows and tastes the way it tastes and has all the medicinal properties it has. It's because it's an embodiment of these overarching archetypal patterns in in nature. So I know it's a it's a it's a, it's an application of some more of the Western esoteric understandings of the world, and it can sometimes sound like flying at ten thousand feet above the earth, you know, a little like woo like up there. But it really does have a really quite profound practical applications in how we just practice herbalism and, and work with medicinal plants in a healing context that is really quite quite profound and quite effective. That's that's awesome. Thank you so much. So I love your ability to synthesize these concepts and put together and compare them looking at different cultures. And you have in your book, and I know from the handouts, um, I mentioned earlier in 2015, I have completed your 
astro herbalism and botanical constellation programs. It took me over a year mm. to go through the content, the videos, the audios, the charts, the bonuses. And so uh, I have learned more about planets, constellations, elements, reading my natal chart and so, so much more than I ever dreamed about. And so I, I think that I have shared with you at some point that my excitement was so great that I ended up introducing a two-hour class on medical astrology in an elective class that I teach in a pharmacy program. And so it's it's always very fascinating to to look at pharmacy students trying to to read their own natal chart. So but what nice. yeah so what what awesome. what what i find uh, absolutely fascinating um from reading the charts that you put together and really trying to pull these different traditions is how everything is so tightly connected. Some of the elements of your course that firmly stayed with me were elements, plants, and uh, planets and constellations. And so I want to ask you to talk a little bit about the elements because they truly are the base of our universe. If you can connect them maybe a little bit to plants uh, or herbal medicine and perhaps share a little bit about this with us. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, the elements are, as you said, the foundation of everything. Uh, I haven't come across a, a, a tradition or a culture or a people that doesn't recognize the central importance of, you know, earth and water and fire and air and, you know, these elements that give us life every day. You know, we drink water every day. We have to eat food every day. We have to, you know, uh, be exposed to that light every day. Uh, we have to be keep warm, you know, it's like those elements are, are at the basis of everything, the turning of the seasons and the the weather and all the, the different kinds of foods that we eat and our constitution and kind of the way our organ systems are put together. We can it really is a, a fascinating system and approach for understanding nature as a whole and ourselves as people and for the herbalist medicinal plants. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it, it became really clear to me just looking at, you know, Ayurveda and Chinese medicine and Greek medicine and Yunani Tib and even the physiomedicalist tradition in North America where they don't talk about, you know, fire or water, but they do talk about, you know, excitation tissue mm -hmm. states and they talk about damp stagnation accumulating and fluid retention and you know all these the the way they understand tissue states it's like i'm looking at it i'm like oh they're talking about the elements right now they're not outright saying it but that's what it is and uh, that to me was just a real wake-up call of like this is important you know like these everybody's talking about mm -hmm. these elements mm -hmm. and i think it would behoove us all to to understand uh these foundations of life and so you know, on the human side, you know, the way that I oftentimes work with it uh, to begin with is really looking at our constitution, you know, that each of us has a primary uh, element that really influences us the most, you know, the, the shape of our body and the 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 way that our um, skin is, the way our hair and eyes are, the, the tone of our voice, our primary kind of emotional states and the way our mind is. Maybe even some of the predispositions for sickness in our body, you know, that's why we see like, why, why is it that some people are kind of really thin and cold and dry all the time and they kind of space out, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, well, they have a lot of that air, air element, you know, or some people are really kind of more stout and solid and, you know, they're really reliable, but maybe they're kind of stubborn too, you know, and, and maybe they tend to, maybe they get constipated or they get low energy and fatigued really easily. It's like, well, they got that, that earth element in them, you know, they're kind of heavier and more dense and you got other people that they're really intense to be around, you know, they're really fiery and energetic and they get pissed off real easy and maybe they got heartburn and acid reflux or, you know, they're really stressed out all the time and they can't sleep because they got all this energy. It's like they have that fire element in them. And so this is a way that we can understand, a simple way we can understand how a human being is connected and embodying these uh, elemental archetypes within their lives. And, you know, we can really zoom down on a lot of different scales of the human being looking at 
organ systems and tissue states and even specific hormones and chemicals in the body relating them to the elements. And, uh, you know, this is another big part of the way I understand plants, too. You know, we can look at a plant and really see those elemental patterns within them, you know, just by observing where they grow in their natural environment, their morphological qualities and characteristics, their shape, their texture, you know, and thinking of an herb like comfrey, you know, it's like got these big broad leaves and really rough feeling to it and these huge tap roots. And it's so prolific, you know, it's like, it just takes over, you know, a whole garden, you know, sometimes people plant comfrey and they're like, oh, geez, that was a mistake. Like now I just have a garden full of comfrey, you know, and it's like, and it grows, it's like comfrey, it grows up, it grows up. And then it's so heavy and dense that it just falls over. Right. And, and we see it, what does it do? It, it strengthens the bones and the connective tissue and the teeth and all these hard structural elements of the body. It heals skins super rapidly, right? A vulnerary wound healing skin uh, rejuvenating kind of remedy because it has this earth element, right? It has this very strong embodiment of the, this archetype of the earth and it, it influences everything about that plant. We look at something like cayenne pepper, right? It's a really great example of a fire element herb, you know, bright red flame shaped pepper growing in a really hot, dry environment. You taste it. It's spicy and hot and burns your mouth and warms up the your digestive fire or what in Ayurveda they refer to Agni, right? That digestive fire, it kindles that flame, radiates that heat out to the periphery, stimulating your circulation of your blood and making you sweat and opening up your pores as a diaphoretic. And, you know, it's all, this is all fire element stuff, right? And, and so to me, the power of uh, having this kind of a model is that we're seeing the pattern in the plant by relate or a person by relating it to these archetypal patterns in nature, whether that's an element or a planet or a sign of the zodiac. Um, you know, for me, like when I first started saying plants, I actually was like really bad at it. Like I couldn't retain the information because it was like oh here's all the actions and here's the here's the chemicals and here's how those chemicals work in the body and oh here's how to extract it over here and oh here's all the botany over here and here's how to wildcraft it over here and it was all just like all over mm -hmm. the place and it wasn't and I, I couldn't retain it like i suck at memorizing things right like i'm not a good memorizer and like who likes memorizing things like it memorizing sucks i'd rather learn it by heart mm -hmm. And to me, the way to learn it by heart is by seeing the, the underlying pattern and seeing the connections, seeing the, the, the golden thread that weaves the, the seemingly separate parts of it together into a cohesive being. And, and that to me is what a, a model like the elements does is it allows you to see, oh, isn't it interesting that cayenne is this bright red pepper that grows in the heat and is tastes really hot. And it, it's like, works on all the fire element organs and all that stuff you know it's just like oh right there it's the fire element is really strong in that plant so that's a really useful way of approaching uh, medicinal herbs and, and being able to see uh, their their properties and remembering that those elements don't just rule the physiological level, but they also have this reflection in more of a psychological and spiritual level as well. I mean, a lot of people, you know, traditional people, they don't just see the elements as like the fire in your fireplace or the water that you're drinking. Those are just, you know, mundane physical attributes of a much larger spirit, Right. I mean, it's a, it's an archetype at the, you know, a lot of the Western esoteric traditions refer to them as the elemental beings. So it's not just like a, uh, it, these are actual intelligent forces of nature. Um, 
that that we can relate to and we can have uh, communicate with and learn from. And I think medicinal plants are a really great means for, for doing just that. That's awesome. Thank you so much. So as I was learning about the elements, you also taught me how to look at planets and how to look at constellations and also how to connect the three of them. So I really appreciated that. I do have to admit something mm-hmm. to you that during my two hour class that I mentioned earlier, I often struggle because there is just so much to talk to, to share with a new learner. And I wanted to pick your brain a little bit and ask you, what's the easiest way to introduce someone to a concept of medical astrology? Mm. Yeah, I mean, so that's really a a pretty foreign concept to a lot of people, you know, I mean, uh, it's unfortunate, because I think astrology has gotten a pretty bad rap in our modern world, you know, it's like, you mention astrology to, to some people, and they immediately conjure up these images of like, you know, a gypsy in a wagon telling fortunes with a crystal ball and tarot cards. And it's like this really weird, I'm going to tell you your fortune or, you know, some people or the Sunday paper, you know, I'm going to read my astrological sign in the Sunday paper and ha ha ha, it's kind of funny. It's kind of sort of accurate, but not really. And it's just kind of become this joke in a way for a lot of people, I think. And it's really unfortunate. Um, because the uh, kind of modern pop astrology has really diluted and watered down what is, um, you know, traditionally was um, one of the most refined sacred sciences for understanding the world around us. And it was like the wise people were the were the astrologers, right? And they were like consulting the rulers of the world and they were physicians and they were, right? It's like, so it's just kind of interesting seeing how astrology has really become uh, diluted and watered down and um, it's kind of become desacralized in, in a way. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, there is uh, a lot of people think of astrology as like just a way of understanding our personality. And they don't realize that that astrology is a, is a holistic model for understanding the human being on all levels, not just our personality, not just our psyche, not just our soul's evolution, but our bodies too. And so we can see that each of the forces um, in in the astrological pattern, right, the signs of the zodiac, the the planets, these all have they're physiological reflections as well. They all govern different parts of the body, different organ systems, different tissue types, different tissue states um, that can all be readily confirmed through analysis of one's birth chart. And so, um, you know, like uh, basically just, to, you know, obviously there's not enough time to go into it in a lot of detail. But, you know, for example, the 12 signs of the zodiac, you know. Aries starts at the top of the head, Pisces ends at the bottom of the feet, and uh, all the signs kind of govern these different areas of the body. And when you look at the relationships amongst them, you kind of find these really interesting conclusions. So, for example, we see that Taurus and Scorpio are opposites of one another, Mm -hmm. right? And the opposite opposite planets are – they have a relationship, and they generally govern systems in the body. So they say or, uh, Taurus it governs the throat, the larynx, the pharynx, uh, the ears, the lower jaw, and kind of nourishment, right? Swallowing food, right? Ingestion. It's the bowl. It's the, the throat, right? We swallow. Uh, it's also the vocal cords, right? And our communication uh, from that perspective. Um, Scorpio, it's opposite is the colon, right? Mm-hmm. Is the So in Taurus, you swallow food. In Scorpio, you release the waste products, right? Um, Taurus, you drink water. You swallow the water. Scorpio also is the bladder where we relieve excess water. Uh, I also find it very interesting that Scorpio also governs the reproductive system and Taurus governs the throat. And at that time of puberty, what happens? Well, our vocal cords change and the reproductive system develops, So you see this really interesting relationship amongst the signs and the parts of the body that they govern. And through coming to understand our own, our own unique embodiment of these forces, right? Our own unique reflection of the planets and our own unique reflection of the signs generates 
uh, a lot of the ways that our bodies function, you know, from our constitution um, to our organ systems, which ones maybe, you know, some of our organ systems are, are particularly weak mm-hmm. and we tend to get sick there often. And other times some are really strong and are really vital. Uh, we can see that all in the birth chart. And so that's one of the ways that I like to think of uh, medical astrology. It's really, it's just another tool. It's just another way of seeing into the body, you know, different uh, traditions of medicine. You know, we didn't have CAT scans and x-rays and blood work and all these fancy technological ways to see into the body, Um, but they did have ways to see into the body. They did have ways of diagnosing uh, what's going on with someone. Uh, It's just through different means. And so this is where we see different methods such as pulse evaluation, uh, tongue assessment, um, iridology, reflexology, um, obviously interview and communication and intake and interview and things like that. And medical astrology is just another one of those You know, they say, you know, the basis of a lot of traditions of diagnostics, especially in Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, is based on the the pulse and and definitely in Chinese medicine on the the tongue. Really, really central. Um, In in the West, they they also did that as well. But um, a lot of people forget that we have this really rich tradition of medical astrology as a means, as another diagnostic tool that – that holistic practitioners can use. And what I really love about it is that it just right in front of you, you know, you have one chart and that one chart shows what's going on in the body. And I can, and through that you can translate what's going on in the body into uh, what is going on in the mind, what's going on emotionally to what lessons is this, what lessons are these archetypes trying to teach this person so that their soul can evolve. And that's really looking at more of the evolutionary approach to astrology, which is that each planet, each sign are uh, teachers and tricksters, right? And we can either embody and express their not so virtuous side, or we can embody and express their highest, most virtuous, most healthy side. And that ultimately is the premise of alchemy is that we use the medicines of the earth to transform these archetypes from their into their most virtuous evolved state of expression. That's fabulous. Thank you. If anyone who is listening to this is as fascinated by your teaching, I want to invite them to read your book, Evolutionary Herbalism. Check out your website. The book has everything that we talked about and so much more. But I wanted to ask you before uh, we leave this conversation, what do you think the reader will leave with after reading your book? Yeah, it's a good question. It, 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 <laughs> there's so much covered in, in the book. It's, it's almost hard to distill down. But what, you know, what my goal with it was is to really provide a different kind of herbal book that's out mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, I have a, I have a pretty extensive herbal library. I, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of what types of herb books are mm-hmm. out there. And I feel like this, uh, there's nothing quite like this herbal book. And I don't say that from, you know, not trying to say that from a place of arrogance, just saying it from a place of knowing what types of herb books mm-hmm. are out there. And and really my, my goal with it was to um, provide a new perspective, right. to provide a new way of looking at things that is really holistic, like not just whole plant and whole person, but how the whole plant and the whole person are in relationship to the wholeness of life and to provide a, a model, uh, an orientation, a system of practice that gives people the tools and the skills and the strategies that they need to use herbal medicines to uh, bring about that transformational level of healing for the body, for the the soul, and for the mind, and for the heart, and to just provide that that deeper level of healing that I think a lot of people are looking for and and need in, in this modern world. So that's really what my hope is for the book that it can really uh, inspire and uplift and encourage 
people to to uh, utilize these plants to their fullest capacity. Thank you. And I really have enjoyed reading it and exploring variety of different perspectives. And I think that the book was the invitation to explore other modalities and other sciences. Thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> Sage, I want to ask you a couple of more questions. So one of them, in addition to your book and your own website, which we will talk about in a couple of minutes, are there any resources that you would recommend to our listeners to explore that might speak a little bit more about the content of our discussion? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I really... Um... There's a couple other authors that I really like to encourage people to read their work if they're interested in understanding uh, more of maybe that spiritual side of herbal medicine. Um, I really encourage people to explore the work of Stephen Herod Buner. Um, his work has been incredibly influential on me and my practice and perspective on herbalism and plant medicine as a whole. Um Alongside with him is Pam Montgomery, who wrote the great book, Plant Spirit Healing. Um, been a student of Pam's, friend of Pam's for a long time. Uh, really, really love Pam's work. And uh, and then, you know, I really appreciate the the work of Matthew Wood. You know, he's been a, a, a friend and teacher of mine for, for a long time now. And um, I think he's, he's one of those herbalists that really his books um, – I think have been incredibly influential on a lot of herbalists in, in our modern world and the way that he's really brought um, the, especially the practice of traditional North American herbal medicine and really brought it to the forefront um, and kind of translated a lot of maybe that older uh, languaging that those older doctors used into a modern context is just really, really, really helpful um, so I love all of those folks' work. Um, I, I could go on and on and on. There's a lot of people that I think are really uh, good to work with and, and read their works. But those are some places that I always like to encourage people. And, you know, the other piece of it, too, is that while it took me, uh, you know, uh, like 550 whatever pages to uh, try to explain what I'm trying to explain in evolutionary herbalism, you know, it's just a long winded way of telling people to get back outside, mm -hmm. get back to the woods and, you know, be in nature. Everything's out there. It's all written right in front of us in nature. We just have to learn to see it in a way that we can read that language and listen to that language that's inscribed into the natural world. And, and ultimately, that's what I always love to encourage people that follow my work is that, you know, as herbalists, as healers, to me, we are first, foremost, and forever students of nature. And no amount of reading or study, um, book learning uh, can replace that. And, and the more that we study nature directly, the more we will understand how to bring about the healing for people that brings out their true nature. That's yeah. wonderful. Thank you so much. So my last question for you is, if someone wants to continue learning from you and about you, where do they find you? Tell us your website. Tell us where they can find you on social media, your podcast, your book. So any of the places. Yeah. So, I mean, our website is evolutionaryherbalism.com and we've got lots of uh, free videos and things like that on our blog over there. We've also got some more in-depth mini courses and things like that that we offer for free. Um, we've got an area there where you can get a free issue of our monthly subscription program, Materia Medica Monthly. It's like three hours of uh, training on a single plant. Uh, that one is calendula along with a, a pretty hefty monograph on that, on that plant there about 20 some pages on, on calendula there. So uh, we've got that. We've got our podcast, which is the plant path um, YouTube channel. Um, and uh, we also have a pretty active Instagram community at, at evolutionary underscore herbalism. We also have a Facebook page too. So those are the variety of ways that folks can uh, can follow the work that we do. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Sage. I will include all of them in the notes. If there is any parting thoughts that you have, let me know. 
Well, I just want to say thank you for having me on the show and for the opportunity to to share about this work. You know, to me, it's uh, I think it's important to to be talking about these things. You know, to be talking about our connection to nature, to be talking about our healing path. You know, I think that that all of us as human beings at this time on this earth, you know, we all are alive for a reason at this time. And I believe that we all have come here to to heal ourselves and to learn and to grow and to contribute to making this world a better place. And and I think that um that attending to our own bodies and hearts and minds and spirits is some of the most important work that we can be doing. And as we heal ourselves on that level, Sometimes some of us get the calling to help others on their own healing path. And I just think that's a very uh, virtuous, noble calling to to help people in that way. And the more people that are doing that, the better, because we all need healing. We all have something in our hearts. We all have something in our minds. We all need help in some way. And the more people that are there out there making themselves known that I'm here to help, uh, the better. So, so thank you for doing your part in doing that too, and, and spreading all this good healing, healing knowledge uh, that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for all your energy, for all your wisdom, for your expertise and the, the years of learning from you and really experiencing this. So I am so, so appreciative. Thank you so much. My gratitude to you for joining us for this conversation with Sage Popham. This episode is proudly brought to you by North Atlantic Books. You can find a link to the online shop in the show notes at plantloveradio.com slash 52, as well as all the other resources that have been mentioned during this episode. The company generously offered to raffle one of Sage's latest books, Evolutionary Herbalism, that we discussed in the episode. So to enter the raffle, head over to co-fee.com, Plant Love Radio, and post a comment on a giveaway post. Perhaps a lesson or a message that really resonated with you. Please subscribe to the show to get the future episodes automatically downloaded on your device. The music you hear in the introduction was written by a neighbor of mine, David Scholl, and is called Something About Cat. My deepest gratitude to Bill Gilligan for this opportunity to play it. Thanks again for being here today. I really appreciate you. Till the next time, thank you for loving plants and planting love.